Begin! And welcome to Shift F1, a podcast about speedy race cars. That's Chinese for a thousand, everyone. Oh, very good. It yeah. is F1000. We've, uh, <laughs> we've, we've done well to rename it, so I look forward to watching Formula 2000 uh, next week at Baku. It's going to be a great time. Formula 2000 gonna... sounds like a uh, an upcoming game on uh, F1 Game History. <laughs> 2097, yep. Yeah. Uh, joining me are Danny O'Dwyer. How are you, Danny? I'm good. I got family in town. My sister's here. So I managed to squeeze in watching the Chinese Grand Prix while everyone was asleep, which made me very sleepy the next day when I showed them all around DC for like seven hours. So I'm kind of like the walking, walking dead today, but uh, looking forward to talking about the race. Excellent. And Robert Zachney, how are you, Rob? Uh, feeling a little guilty, I have to say. Um, <laughs> guilty? Why? Why? Well, what have you done? What have you done? What have you done with the Patreon you money? You know, Bahrain was great. It was a tremendous race, and we, I think we were all swept up in that moment. And we were like, damn, oh. race is this good. We can't wait on that shit for a week. We've got to talk about <laughs> these games, like these races immediately. Just got to get on that. And then Danny said... Watch us have a series of boring races right in a row as soon as we make the switch. And I think when I saw the field going around in the formation lap and realized they were lined up effectively by team down through the running order, (laughs) I had this like moment where I realized that I think we might have cursed the 2019 Formula One season. (laughs) It's us. We did this. And Uh, the best part is... You're getting, tw- you're getting it twice as much as you would have. Right. I, we we talked, I think, after the podcast about how, or maybe it was during about how, you know, in any eventuality, as as long as getting it, we're getting it out of the way. You know, as as much of the race as we'd forget in the week when it's a good race, when it's a when it's a less good race. Like by the time we're talking about Baku, I'm not gonna ha- have a clue what happened to China except for that first lap, probably. Um, but uh, it, it also lets us dive into the, I guess, the one interesting element of this race, which was tire strategy and undercuts. Like, that's kind of what this yeah. one ended up being. And maybe the back and forth uh, between the Ferraris. Yeah, and if you are just joining us uh, for the first time this season... Oh, hey, hello, phone. Hey, what's up? Oh, they're all Can't, calling you. They're calling uh, you. Yes, please <laughs> give us a better race. Uh, if you are just joining us for the f- first time this season, this is a good opportunity to kind of get nitty-gritty on tire strategy and stuff uh and what you know the undercut is um i should also probably mention if this is your first episode you should probably go back and watch or, or listen to our uh our primer mm. episode to to get a real rundown on the entire sport but um welcome uh, also if you are a netflix subscriber the uh formula one documentary drive to survive is another fantastic primer not to <laughs> not to cross promote here uh but uh yeah we will be doing a uh patreon probably a series of patreon only episodes for that yeah um, it kind of seems like a bit maybe i'm sure we won't do 10 maybe what do we say like maybe three of them maybe, yeah three episodes three episodes per three or four yeah. To, yeah. To get through it, um, we did post recently uh, our endurance racing episode, which was, gosh, <laughs> that was. I went back and uh, listened to that one um, in the editing process, and we talked about a lot of stuff. That was intense. Yeah, because endurance racing is basically like four different types of racing all <laughs> happening at the same time. So there was yeah. a lot to cover. Um, yeah, apologies. I did forget to mention that last week um, when we did our Patreon update. Uh, one more thing to mention. We crossed over into beautiful land of Blue Coast. Uh, <laughs> we're at 517 patrons. Thank you so much to everyone who, who signed up. Uh, we'll give you an update when the when and uh, if and when the beer is coming. We'll, I, we'll, I pinged them and they said they're they're still working on it. Okay. So beautiful. Um, but until that drink is in my until that cold drink <laughs> is in my hands. Yeah, they're not sponsoring us. We can't we can't egg it up that much. <laughs> yeah, you're right. <laughs> until it's delicious. Might, might be terrible. It might be incredible. That I mean, that's the nightmare. Uh, like I have yeah. said, we already jinxed the F one season. I think we've also jinxed our palates <laughs> by doing this as a gag with this like hard to access beer. Like I, I think in three weeks we're all going to be like, so wait, like what's your next production run going to be? Uh, like okay, put me down, put me down for for three cases, and then uh, we're screwed. Mm. Well, uh, this isn't a beer-only podcast yet, but while it's still racing, let's talk about the last race, you guys. Uh, Chinese Grand Prix 2019, 
Um, maybe we'll start with uh, qualifying, or maybe we'll start back in free practice three. Yes, when Alexander Albon I called uh, crashes his Toro Rosso. Did I you? Said, I said one of these rookies was going to have trouble on that curve. I didn't necessarily think they'd. I thought they'd crash on the inside, not the. I guess it is technically the inside of the racetrack, but it's usually the left wall, right? Interesting. I mean, the accident he had was classic. It's you take the corner too fast, you get on the outside, you lose control of the car. From that, I think we've seen both versions of this where Mm. I think what classically we see is a spinning skitter across the track back to the left wall in the main main straight. Uh, but that's not what happened to him. I think he went all the way into the uh, to, to the wall on the right hand side. But once it, once you're off there, uh, it yeah. is kind of a you know luck of the draw. And also, you know, did you bounce off the wall? That's the other question you have to you have to ask. But it was a um, it was a serious hit. Uh, you know that that car uh, basically got broken down to the monocoque. Uh, you know, yeah. after that impact, so it was it was pretty severe. Uh, did you see the interview with him talking about the uh, the incident? No, it was. I tell you, this new cohort of drivers is so scarily poised and mature. It's really <laughs> something. Like the interviewer kind of offered him an out, where she was saying, "Well, you know, should we sort of put this down to uh, this is your first year in F one? We've seen a lot of people have that mistake. You know, do you think we should also just kind of?" Uh, you know, set this down as uh, you know, sort of learning curve uh, for a rookie rookie on this track, and he sort of winced and he thought about it for a moment and he said, "I think that is, uh, some of the term, something along the lines of, I think that that is an excuse, but it's not a good one, and <laughs> yeah. I should have done better." And it's just interesting to me how like Leclerc, Albon, uh, Norris, all of them are just sort of handling really tough situations and yeah, uh, tough questions with like incredible discipline uh, like you'd expect from from a real pro. Um, I want to talk about just just a thing to, to set some stage, though. Before the race came out, did you see uh, what Ferrari principal uh, Mattia Bonato said? No. Mm-mm. So before the race, he remarks that... Uh, our drivers are free to fight on the track. And then he says that, you know, in the next few races, we might be open to uh, switching championship priority to Charles Leclerc. Uh, but we'd want... Uh, but then he says, if something we agreed with both drivers in a few races' time, things may change for whatever reason, bad luck or whatever could be the situation, we may change our position on that. I do not know what that means uh, entirely, but I think it is just an interesting thing to bear in mind when we consider the arc the Ferraris go on across this race and the role that uh, the, pit, the pit wall uh, plays in, in that whole story. But I think going into this, we should bear in mind uh, that Bonato was open to prioritizing Leclerc, but maybe not really. We have to talk about it. <laughs> I don't know. It's really interesting. It kind of echoes what you said last week about what happened at Bahrain, which is that, like, what decision was made? Kind of no decision was the decision that was made. And, well, like, kicking that can down the road a couple of laps. Ah, let's see how we're doing in a few laps' time. Let's see how we're doing in a few races' time. We'll we'll figure that whole thing out. I'm surprised he answered the question at all, to be honest. I, I, I feel like even that answer is probably going to frustrate boat drivers. Anyway. Yeah. Uh, foreshadowing for sure. Uh, just to finish off the pre-race stuff, Grosjean had a few front wing problems in free practice. A lot of worrying shaking going on, um, but uh, seemed to do. Uh, I don't know where did they end up uh, in qualifying. We eh. did talk. We did. Uh, they were uh, nine and ninth ten. and tenth. Yeah, yeah. They yeah, were the so last not- of the couplets going into yeah. uh, the the grid. Uh, also, Giovinazzi had a power unit problem. He didn't go out and qualify, uh, and neither did Albon because uh, his car was being rebuilt. So those guys will start from, uh, I think, 19th place and 20th place, respectively. Albon starting from the pit lane. I- I'm not sure if it's worth mentioning, but just because last week and the week before, we talked about the whole vibrating wing thing and whether or not we'd see that happen again. Um, I guess that Grosjean thing was the only element of that that we saw. And again, we can't be sure whether that's at all connected to what happened in the previous two races um, with Ricardo and Vettel. But uh, I was half expecting that to sort of show up again during the race. And, you know, spoilers, it didn't. But, yeah, yeah. interesting to see it again. Yeah. Just 
quick thing from Q1, uh, another race where Stroll doesn't make it out of Q1, uh, which is weird because Sergio Perez uh, was talking in the press uh, a couple weeks ago about how uh, just Lance Stroll is so much closer to Sergio than any of his other teammates have ever been uh, in terms of race pace. Like, damn, like Stroll just really – Sergio's never had an opponent like this, uh, you know, in, in the garage. It's just incredible. He thinks Stroll's doing uh, just fine, and the team absolutely shouldn't reconsider uh, his position at all because uh, he's great. Way better than that scrub, uh, Esteban Ocon. Uh, don't even think about him. Sergio's just fine. Trust him. Not looking forward to talking about my fantasy F1 thing at the end of this race. <laughs> uh, well, let's just get right into it, Danny. Let's rip the bandaid off. Want to take us through the start? Sure. I mean, Hamilton, or sorry, Potas is in front. It's his seventh career pole. First time he's beaten Hamilton to pole in donkeys. Um, I think it's like nine races or something. Um, but uh, yeah, they're two by two, basically, the whole way through um, with uh, Botas, Hamilton, and then uh, then Vettel and Leclerc. Um, so essentially, the sort of um, after the lights go out, the, the main issue that happens is that Botas has a little bit of a um, a slow get off the line. Uh, not terribly bad, but enough on that long straight for uh, Hamilton to beat him down the inside. Um, this has a knock on effect basically, where Vettel sort of already on the outside of that turn, which isn't I necessarily ideal um gets slowed down by botas kind of can't get around him which allows uh, leclerc to go up the inside of him um and take that position um they're sort of battling around those turns when perez does a great little overtake on hulkenberg i think it was on turn five um but then that's completely overshadowed by the next moment which is that um Danny Kvyat, true to his name, true to his moniker, um, <laughs> but takes out not not uh, one but two McLarens or hits two McLarens. Um, the last time a McLaren, two McLarens went out in the first uh, lap was uh, USA two thousand and six. Um, he didn't quite break both of them. Um, well, well, you know, uh, one of the cars had problems later on in the race, but uh, his oversteer into signs sort of then. Uh, knocked into Lando Norris, who um, uh, kicked out a, a virtual safety car, which actually kind of worked out for the pit starting Alexander Albon, who managed to not only um, catch up with the pack, but get an overtake in um, as uh, as Albon, or sorry, as Lando Norris was getting back onto uh, onto the track. Also, a uh, great tweet by Norris uh, later on that day with the, uh, the shooting stars meme of uh, his car flying through space and whatnot. It was pretty good. Oh, yeah. We, I retweeted that one from the, the uh, Twitter account. Uh, that wasn't even the, the last of their, their woes, unfortunately. As um, uh, Science came in to get his nose replaced, they double-stacked them, um, but they couldn't get the first nose off, I think, what was happening. So it slowed them down to the point where I think Science was 35 seconds off Kubica by the time he got back out. Oh, and also the virtual safety car ended at the worst possible time. So they actually went into the pits and then it ended, uh, meaning that they were... The, their race was effectively over um, uh, right away. How badly yeah, do could, you think Kvyat screwed up? Just out of curiosity for y'all. I, uh, it's a it's a weird... Yeah, go for it, Danny. Messi, you like clumsy, like oversteer. Uh, I don't know, like other... I, I, like it was a grip issue where no other no other car had trouble doing getting around that he was a bit over eager trying to maybe i'm not sure if he was losing a place or trying to gain a place i forget where his track position was on the grid um but uh yeah not a not a turn you necessarily want needs to be losing grip on so i think he just kind of was clumsy and it's a it's never fun being clumsy on the first lap you tend to hit, hit people um so yeah i think he you know he's he's been driving long enough maybe to to not be doing something like that in the first lap yeah i mean it's uh it looked like kind of a tough one because i mean everyone's starting on cold tires and stuff and it wasn't like a it wasn't like he made well uh it wasn't as as cut and dry as like picking a direction and uh getting it wrong he was Mm. turning and he loses it and that that tips him into signs i think and then signs hits him which causes him to rotate and then hit uh norris which pops him up and sends him into space um so i don't know uh, you're right i think at this point though danny's been in the game long enough to kind of be able to think ahead like that that would be my uh guess at that but uh, he does earn himself a drive-through penalty for uh mm-hmm. that incident what you think rob i think shit happens Honestly, like, I mean, like, uh, it was, it was a clumsy move. He does, he does bobble it, right? Uh, At the same time, um, 
one of the things you do on on the first lap is uh, like you try to get the best track position you can on that first mm-hmm. lap, even above necessarily being risk averse. And it's bad when it works out this way, and you've you've totally wrecked two other drivers' races. Uh, at the same time, this wasn't cl- quite like the classic torpedo move where he just runs up the back of somebody. This was totally. a he had the right angle. Uh, I think he got on the gas maybe just a bit too early at the apex uh, and bobbled it. And you can see it's just an automatic, like, he's recovering grip on the car. Uh, but the problem is that there's no he, there, there's nowhere else to go. Um, if he made a mistake heading into this, it was being too ambitious, thinking he could hold the center line of the corner all the way through in that traffic. There was a mile of track out to his right that he could have... Yeah. You'd have lost speed uh, cutting the inside that way, but there's plenty of space. Uh, instead, I think he was trying to hold the fast line uh, when he didn't really own it. And uh, he left himself no margin for error, which occurred. I always feel uh, like bad criticizing these incredibly talented drivers over like essentially what comes down to like a split second decision over just how much throttle to give it. Um, But just speaking to what we were saying last week about the whole Grosjean sort of thing, like over a wide enough timeline when you look at some of these drivers and you just see how many first lap incidents they're involved in, you're kind of like, all right, do you just have like a hair less of a, you know, of a, I don't know, mental like tenacity in that moment maybe that just is the difference um but it was a shame like i i really don't want to see daniel you know be shrouded by that cloud again like i i I would i would prefer for that to have been in the past and my hope is that this was just you know one of those first lap incidents and and he'll move on from it um if he doesn't the next race though you're gonna have that conversation is gonna come back up again right and (laughs) like like i don't think anyone really wants that Except maybe his teammate. I don't know. Uh, all right. So, uh, yeah, an exciting first lap. And actually an exciting uh, right before the first lap. Verstappen and Kubica both spin on the formation lap, which is really funny. <laughs> oh, my God. two in a row for Verstappen. Did you wow. see that? No. I'm, where, do you know whereabouts it was? It was? Uh, let's see. It may have been... Let's see. It's right before... Yeah, it said uh, Kubica spun on the hairpin, and then uh, Verstappen. I think the turn before that. Okay. Uh, yeah, really. That's really I, strange. I, I'm a, I wins I, perhaps. I watched it on demand, um, uh, you know, naturally, um, so I skipped the the formation. Did you guys watch it on demand as well? No, yeah. I watched uh, DVR. Oh, cool. So cool. I, I saw, yeah. yeah, I saw the spin, uh, which which was wild. And then when it happened again, it was clear that it was, um, you know, it was tough track conditions speaking of which by the way later bonus uh said that like literally and again talking about like the thin margins on these cars he literally said it was when his wheels rolled over the paint stripe in the starting box that he lost a little bit of grip no and hamilton blew past him on that and we all know like yeah the the paint is slick but like literally for him he was like that was the margin uh he thinks like that mistake cost him the race not having like a like not handling the paint stripe well enough, uh, which is just excruciating <laughs> to think about, right? Like he did everything right through qualifying, like he owned this track, um, and then just a little bit of wheel spin on the paint, and that's game. Yeah, the idea that like two inches of paint, you know, will will get you over a you know however 100, plus hundred and fifty kilometer track or whatever, you know, is like is ridiculous. That's 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 F one, I guess. Well, speaking of armchair quarterbacking, uh, lap 10, uh, Charles Leclerc gets a, a, a message not from his quarterback, but from his uh, pit wall saying, go faster we'll let, or we'll let Sebastian by. So Leclerc uh, did that great move on the inside of Vettel on lap one, um, but was not pulling away from him, uh, even though he says uh, <laughs> back to his pit wall, but I'm pulling away. Uh, he was not. Um, so he, he does let him by. Uh, Vettel goes by into third place but he doesn't exactly pull away and in fact starts locking up uh, a bunch of times into uh, the corners I guess trying to chase down Botas so um, uh, wh- first of all what do you guys think of uh, the decision to to put uh, Leclerc aside for Vettel I wish I had heard Vettel's team radio because they were doing a lot of Leclerc's, but they weren't really showing much of Sebastian's. Um, so I was wondering if he was at all asking. We did, though. He wasn't. We didn't hear him ask. He said so. He mentioned. Uh, 
I think they told him he needed to push. Uh, you need to get up closer to Leclerc. Hmm. And he, Seb's, I think, Seb's in a weird place, I think, overall, just in term of, terms of his driver's psychology. He was like, yeah, I'll try. Like, literally. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. Was, they, So they basically gave him the green light to push up on Leclerc and maybe do an overtake. And Vettel's response was pretty lackadaisical at that moment. Like, it was definitely not a, you know, attack dog slip from the leash type reaction. He was <laughs> like, yeah, all right, I'll see what I can do. Uh, and, and so I think even from the first, like, I'm not sure Vettel felt super confident in pushing like that and that he had that much pace left in the car. Uh, so I don't know. Maybe there was further exchanges after that. But the first thing we heard was Vettel kind of just giving a shrug response to this question of, like, what should a driver priority be here? Then they also messaged Leclerc and uh, mentioned that, you know, you need to you need to push or, uh, you know, we're going to let Vettel buy. And Leclerc replies, I thought we were tire saving or something like that. It's, you know, right. basically his, his understanding is the strategy is different. Uh, and so, of course, he's falling behind a little bit because he's trying to make a tire strategy work. Uh, and then, uh, you know, they, 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 they give the, the switch orders. Um, and I hate everything about this, guys. Yeah. <laughs> like, I, like, Ferrari, throughout my years of watching F1, I've had, like, to a degree they've defined my fandom of F1. Like, the Schumacher years, when he's battling out with Hakkinen, were, were great and, and stuff like that. But at the same time, they do so much to make the sport more boring than it should be because they never let their drivers race. They're always pulling this shit in every race when a conflict like this comes up. Oh, it needs to go to the pit wall for this to be adjudicated. We're not going to let these guys. We're not going to let these guys actually shoot it out on the track. Mercedes have let a lot of stuff go by. They've let you know drivers get pretty combative out there on the track. It's jeopardized seasons, but by and large, until someone clearly like has has won that priority, uh, they're they give the drivers a lot of latitude to race, provided you know it's a track where that is is viable. Red Bull almost to the point of being dangerous, will let these guys go at each other. Um, and we love that stuff. As fans, that's stuff we want to see. I want to see the Leclerc-Vettel fight. What I don't want is this kind of wishy-washy, uh, you know, let's let's send it back to the team to make a decision, see how it works out. And if it doesn't work out, maybe we'll discuss switching them again later. Like, it is an incredibly boring and frustrating thing to see year after year. And also, I think in this current moment, um, I think that entire model depends on you having a really decisive, strong personality on the pit wall who is your strategist and god king over that team. Uh, they fired him. They fired him last year, didn't they? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, and maybe he wasn't Maybe he wasn't the guy, but, like, right. you know, we saw Jean Tote, uh running around this weekend. He was the last one to make that model work, and that's because mm. maybe he had Ross Braun uh, under him and Schumacher being dominant. This model doesn't work when you have someone who, like, I think Bonato at this point seems really indecisive. He seems really tentative about, like, what it takes to lead a team. I also think they're in a weird place where, Vettel's the primary driver, but in every interview, I am just not sure he likes this as much. I'm not sure he loves the fight. And Ferrari doesn't have the best car this year. You got to fight. Yeah, I, yeah. I, 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 I feel like, uh, you know, Ferrari to their, I think, defense in a way, and I'm no Ferrari apologist necessarily, but I think, you know, it's easier for the for the Mercedes to have that that you know natural fight because they are so far ahead of everyone else and Ferrari you kind of feel like if they are going to bring the title to them they need to be very strategic and clever about it um, but I, I completely agree with you that this is like a, a recurring issue and especially in this race where like they weren't even scrapping like Vettel wasn't close to him he had DRS as well and he wasn't you could tell that there you know he was slowing him a bit of course and maybe he didn't want to get into his dirty air that early in the race and 
and wait for the call but i think like in a weird way the psychology of the 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 pit wall is having this really like negative effect on both drivers where like it's kind of putting them both in in like a bad position like vettel doesn't want to be the you know the golden cow that is being protected like he doesn't i don't think he wants that either he's like schumacher was happy with that a bit you know having the space but i don't necessarily think vettel maybe in especially in his current stage of his career really wants that and uh and leclerc then as well is kind of like well i i don't know i'd kind of like to you know be be in the ascendancy on my own terms maybe and not in this sort of way that you're you know if if either of them wins the championship it's going to be because of ferrari's strategy or something like uh, it just seemed i get i get maybe the idea behind trying to launch him if they thought that 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 he was you know the mercedes were getting away but like the pace was nowhere near there like it wasn't they 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 did that thing they did last year where they kept them at you know 15 seconds distance without killing themselves for the the length of the race so it was a it was a real shame yeah and i think like you said rob the the indecision there it, it it's hard not to notice it trickling down into the drivers when over the course of this race you're right there was that point where he was like, I thought we were saving tires. And then later in the race, you know, they're, they're like, okay, I think we're going to plan B. And then yeah. uh, there was some other confusion. Uh, oh, it, like Leclerc said like, well, well, why is this happening? And they said, well, okay, well, we're looking at that. We'll, we'll get back to you on that. There's just so much, like, there's no clarity here. And that's got to be really difficult as a driver. Well, and I think that's the other thing is like what are the rules we're operating under here? Like just like shortly after Vettel makes the pass and we see him struggling with the tires and flat spotting them right and left, you hear Leclerc on the radio saying he's losing time. Not sure if you want to know or not. Like literally <laughs> yeah. says yeah. that. Like, do you care? Like, uh, is this about race pace or is this about Seb being in front? Like, which is it? Tell me. I'll you know I'll be the soldier. But like, what's happening here? Um, yeah, that's this- the thing too. He seems totally uh, down to. Just tell, be clear about it, and I will. I'm not going to fight you on it. I'm just let me know what you want me to do. Yeah, I. Sorry, go ahead. Uh, no, you you say your thing. I was about to say that the it comes up later on. I don't want to jump the gun too much, but that whole the confidence in the teams and the 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 clarity of the vision, I think, is is really summed up in what happened with the pit stop strategies later on, where you know one team is stacking them and getting the job done and the other one is pulling in a driver who they put ahead and then basically sacrificing the other one as a result like it was so frustrating to see well yeah i definitely want to talk about that moment later i think the other thing i want to bring up here is the switch to plan b so late in the race yeah uh we knew there was a very good chance that optimal strategy here was two stops we knew that going in like tire like the soft had basically been garbage throughout the weekend nobody was nobody was going to be running that the medium was really sort of your prime tire but it was you know it's a high high wear track the hard was going to have to come out um if you're doing that isn't there a case to be made for committing to the two stopper early so that you can just sort of plan out your race a little more effectively rather than sort of switch in midstream late when you're probably not going to get when you've probably already sacrificed some of the optimal performance bands of these tires and then be like well shit uh i guess we need to do a second stop like i think that's the other thing that and i think this is a broader issue across the field i think f1 can be a little bit group thinking in terms of what's going to happen you don't see a lot of team principles making big gambles early and press because when they go wrong you look like a real schmuck uh but it, it was striking to me how much the uh how late the decisions were by a lot of these teams to go to two-stop strategies when i do wonder if there was race pace left on the table uh by running guys really long in these first stints uh and even pretty far into the second yeah, it was interesting to see that Hulkenberg, I think, they swapped to a two-stop right after Vettel went past Leclerc. And granted, I don't want to be taking Renault's you know, pit strategy as, or tire strategy as the way to be going after what happened last uh, at the last race. But, um, you know, ag- again, it wasn't until Max Verstappen decided to pit that Ferrari did something. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. are they, are the, is their strategy just going to be based off of Red Bull making no one comfortable for the rest of the season? Yeah, apparently. I mean, um, so that's that's lap 18. Verstappen pits and tries to undercut Leclerc, but instead of Ferrari covering Leclerc, 
Like what you would normally do to prevent Verstappen gaining that advantage on his new tires is to pit immediately after him, right? But they mm. leave Leclerc out there and instead pit Vettel. So that, I think right there it's well, uh, Leclerc just we'll let it, we'll we'll just let him run around the track. That's fine. We're really focused on Vettel. We're going to try to get him as high as possible. Um, which like okay, I guess I, I feel like they're they're they cut the rope too quickly on on Leclerc here. Yeah. At the very least, it did give us one of the more exciting parts of the race, which was uh, watching uh, Vettel attempt to uh, warm his tires up while uh, while Verstappen was was catching up on him. And at the end oh, of yeah, the straight, that was so good. Oh, and you you just knew at the end of the straight that was the one chance he had. You were like your 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 tire warmth uh, is optimal here in comparison to to, to Seb's, uh, especially his ability to make his car super wide as well. Um, uh, I think I was you know delightedly shocked that uh, while Vettel pushed him out onto the grass um, both of them managed to, to drive away from the incident it was a great little uh, little showing of uh, you know that that real dangerous hard braking down the inside to, to, to make it happen but Vettel with the you know the the smarts making sure that he he had covered it and overtook again at the exit um, it was cool it was a nice little moment yeah uh, and what a difference a year makes because I think it, I think it was F1's official Twitter account that tweeted a side by side of that move from this race, and then a year ago where Verstappen hits Vettel and spins him. Oh yeah, it was. Yeah, God, same Baku, corner. And Baku is coming up next week. Yes, it is. <laughs> uh, okay, so lap twenty-one, the cascade continues. Botas pits, and then Hamilton. Um, Hamilton asks why they didn't pit him first and the team responds and says that this race is going to be all about uh, tire life in the in the late game so uh, it seems to placate him um, lap 21 is then now when we get the Leclerc pit stop to which Brundle says that's no man's land like they're mm. they're not going for a one stop but they didn't cover the undercut so this is nothing this is why why are we doing this like not even he could understand it uh, Leclerc comes out, of course, behind Verstappen in fifth, even though he was fourth when Verstappen triggered that uh, pit stop group. Um, also, Leclerc did not have soft tires available. I think this is something uh, we should also mention again for for new F1 fans. You are allowed to, you must take uh, 13 and only 13 sets of tires to each race that have to last you the entire race weekend. So that's practice qualifying in the race. Um, so uh, the way that your strategy goes or the way that the track turns out could mean that you didn't bring enough of the right kind. Uh, so that's exactly what Leclerc ran into there. Yeah, we saw a bunch of drivers put back on their first sets at the end of the race as well, right? Yeah, in fact, uh, let's just skip down here to... Uh, yeah, Ted Kravitz pointed out that Norris pits late in the race and puts on the same tires <laughs> as when he collided with Danny Cafeet earlier. Lucky. Lucky socks. You know, you got to put them back on. Yeah. Uh, speaking of pits, shout out to the Alfa Romeo crew for looking a lot like a bunch of Judge Dreads. <laughs> um was this during giovanazzi's terrible pit stop <laughs> <laughs> no that's later this is raikkonen pitting uh which leads to a great scrap for 10th place in lap 26 uh raikkonen on magnuson um gets him with the old switcheroo and uh races by cleanly nice to see raikkonen racing people he yeah. was really lonely last season this is we're actually getting to see him do i think what he likes doing best yeah we saw him and grosjean have a scrap later as well it was cool yeah uh, also, hey, Albon is up to 13th by lap 27 from the pit lane. I think certainly he was helped by that incident with uh, Kafid and the McLarens, but he passes Giovinazzi on the back straight for 12th place uh, soon after, and uh, uh, you know he's he's got some real pace. There's a, a YouTube montage of all of his um, uh, overtakes, uh, uh, which is worth watching because he overtook like everywhere. Like he was overtaking on turn one on the, the crazy corkscrew. He was doing it on the DRS straight at the back. He was doing it on uh, all the co- corners in that little, um, that bigger uh, section two, like all those fast paced ones. It was awesome to watch. He he looked like, I, I say this a lot, I guess, but he looked like when, you know, when you just stick on easy mode and start in, in, a, in a Leclerc Alpha at the back of the pack. Um, uh, uh, or uh, yeah sorry Leclerc last season um, at the back of the pack it just kind of overtake as many people as you want it was uh, it was cool yeah yeah that was fun the, the, the thumbnail on F1's YouTube video it literally just says Alexander Albon overtakes everyone <laughs> uh, lap 29 Raikkonen uh, catches up to Haas 
another Haas. Of, this time, it's Grosjean does a mirror move of what Verstappen did on Vettel, but this time uh, Raikkonen doesn't overcook it and stays ahead for ninth place. Uh, lap 30. This is where Leclerc gets told um, to go to plan B. He's told to push, push so he's not tire-saving. Uh, I guess they're trying to chase down Verstappen. Like, again, why didn't you do this before? I... I don't know. Tire strategy is difficult. Computers can't even help you uh, a lot of the time. Um, but it, I don't know. It seems to me like this is... It's. It seems like something that Red Bull is really good at where they have these contingency plans, right? That They have a strategy they're going down, but then something happens and then boom, we're doing all of this now. Uh, you can kind of see it happen. But Ferrari's very much like... It seems to me like that something... Uh, occurs in the race and then they have to go back and talk about it for a while and then like I think we'll do this instead of just making snap decisions um yeah they're yeah. like it's a weird thing they're very reactive and to a degree the, the thing I'll say is you're always going to look f- more foolish if your car isn't that fast like the like they're also struggling with how do we make an objectively slower car uh somehow finish above its performance right like how do we how do we make something happen here the problem is their decisions let them get beaten by red bull uh you know to like to an extent uh so i like i don't know um i i think that they're trying to make the best of a bad hand but i think there's an element of you just need to recognize this going. You recognize it going in. Like, don't get to lap thirty-one and be like, "Damn, this isn't working out well." Like, we knew, we knew early this wasn't working out well uh, yeah. from the moment Vettel passed uh, Leclerc and like just didn't find any extra pace. And it turned out, oh, the Ferraris just moved this fast around the circuit. Uh, then you probably need to start thinking about like how how are you going to make the best of the situation rather than wait until lap thirty-one and decide like, all right. Now's the time to make a move. Now that everyone else is running their ideal strategy, uh, let's see if we can wedge something else in here. Uh, Verstappen wedges in another pit stop on lap 35, uh, again, causing uh, Ferrari to pit. Uh, Sebastian Vettel, of course, him being prioritized over Leclerc, it seems. Uh, also, Mercedes hadn't pitted in a while, and since the cars behind them just did, if a safety car had come out and compress the field together, they would have been on super old tires and everybody else would have been on new ones. So they pit, even though they're uh, pretty far ahead. And probably, the, in, from my perspective, the coolest thing that happened in this race was their double stack pit stop. So instead of pitting one lap uh, and then pitting the other guy the second lap, they do both cars on the same lap. So Valtteri Bottas pulls in behind Lewis Hamilton in the pits and I don't even think he stops. They turn Hamilton around so fast that uh, Botas just runs in and they put on new tires on both of those cars. Super cool. Identical uh, pit stop times as well. 3.2 on each of them. Um, wow. Which is, uh, which is, and also a massive shout out to the, um, the the Red Bull and Ferraris as well. Vettel's was a 2.2. We saw a couple of 2.1s, I think, uh, at one stage during the race. And uh, Verstappen's a 2.3. They've gotten, like, so good at doing these. Like, this year has been fantastic for pit stops. My heart yeah. was in my uh, mouth. Yeah. Like, cause I, like, I was convinced this was one of those things where it's a call that if it goes wrong, <laughs> it's uh, like, obviously, why would you stack them up like that when you had that track position? You didn't need to do that. It worked out beautifully, but I just look at every stacked up. I, like, so many times we see the sink not work out quite right, and somebody is idling for too long behind the other car, or the next change doesn't go as smoothly. Uh, it was really stunning to see them both just get uh, basically like, you know, training manual, like just this is exactly <laughs> how you do it. Uh, pit stops out of the deal. It was incredible. In fairness, we did actually see a bad one in the case of the McLarens on lap one um, with the with the busted front wing. But I guess that wasn't necessarily their fault. But I am sure dismounting of... a broken front wing is a yeah. little. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's not in the... It's, they don't train for that one. Uh, when they the Mercedeses do come out, though, Leclerc splits them, um, gets in between, but Botas does get by a few laps later. Uh, and by lap 41, Alexander Albon passes Grosjean and gets into the points and for the rest of the race does a fantastic job 
holding him off uh, and gets a point at the end of the race for his 10th place and earns driver of the day, which I think is well-deserved. Yeah, he was helped out a little bit by the uh, Williams of Robert Kubica on lap uh, on the penultimate lap, who looked like Rojan was going to get the jump on him, um, but uh, the, the back marker kind of um, slowed him down a little bit. Um, it was a shame at the end of the race they didn't actually fix the camera on them to see the fight as they went down the straight the last time, but yeah, awesome to see him do that. What a drive. Yeah. Um, finally, to cap off that uh, group of pit stops, Leclerc comes in. I think, you know, he's he's on this kind of a uh, few laps later strategy, I, I guess to give him fresher tires at the end of the race. And that kind of happens. He, he pits and goes on to new tires and tries to chase down Verstappen and was catching him at about a second per lap. But uh, he needed to have kept that up for 16 laps to even get to him. And uh, that did <laughs> not happen. So um, uh, lap 43, Kofiat retires. Lap 40, uh, I'm sorry, 53, Norris retires. Uh, lingering issues from uh, that first lap incident. He had four pit stops as well. It was an absolute nightmare of a, a race for Norris, who yeah. was definitely on my fantasy F1 team. <laughs> <laughs> the curse. Uh, but we do get a free pit stop for Gasly, who's just racing alone um, all by his lonesome, and he goes for a fastest lap, and at the very last lap, secures the fastest lap, and earns himself uh, another point. Uh, toward the championship but it is uh hamilton's race at the end of the day he wins race 1000 uh and it is the third one two for mercedes in 2019 i think the first time that has happened since i think they said 92 um so yeah a strong start to a season that uh (laughs) certainly mercedes was like who knows which way it'll go um yeah. yeah, and that yeah. was China. Everybody. On paper, on paper, it doesn't really reflect what we've sort of felt, at least <laughs> what we've seen or what we felt. Um, but yeah, we'll yeah, a very different race coming up um, next week. So you know, we'll, different track, different type of uh, race. So it'll be interesting. Um, yeah, do you want to run down the the grid where everyone else landed? Yeah, let's do a uh, finishing position here. Hamilton on top, followed by Valtteri Bottas, third place on the podium. Sebastian Vettel fourth. Max Verstappen, Leclerc in fifth, followed by Gasly, Ricardo, Perez, Raikkonen, and Alexander Albon rounding out the top ten behind them in the non-points-paying positions. Roman Grosjean, Lance Stroll moving up from 16th spot. Maybe there is something to his race pace after all. I mean, he might have gotten even better <laughs> if he wasn't hitting the radio button instead of the errors button. Did you see that? Did, no, did that happen? <laughs> what? Yeah. He oh was accident. There's a, there was one or two times during the race where he, you could just hear static, and then there was a message to him at one point um, uh, saying, um, "You're hitting the radio button, not the ERS deployment." So, oh boy, yeah. you got to learn. Uh, you know, a lot of buttons on those. Uh, maybe he hasn't <laughs> seen Botas's YouTube video yet. <laughs> maybe yeah, someone should link him. Uh, Magnuson in thirteenth, followed by Signs, Giovinazzi, uh, uh, George Russell, and Robert Kubica. Um, oh. are the finishers. Norris was classified, but he uh, DNF'd with uh, floor damage after the contact with Kofiat. Also DNF's uh, Hulkenberg and Kofiat. Um, so, the championship position now looks like uh, this. Uh, Hamilton on top uh, moves up a place on Botas. He's got 68 points. Botas was 62. Max Verstappen in a solid third with uh, 39, but right behind him is uh, Vettel, who jumps Leclerc with 37 points. Leclerc's got 36. Mm. Gasly's got uh, 13 points now, which jumps him up four spots behind him. Raikkonen in seventh place with 12. Uh, Magnussen and Norris are tied at eight points for eighth place. Uh, Ricardo and Hulkenberg, teammates, they are tied with six points in 10th place. Uh, Perez has five points. Albon with three now. Stroll's got two. Kofiat's got one. And uh, pointless are Grosjean, Sainz, Giovinazzi, George Russell, and Robert Kubica. Uh, teams, Mercedes uh, on top, of course, with 130 points. Ferrari's got 73. Yikes. Red Bulls with 52. Alfa Romeo and Renault are tied for fourth place with 12 points. Uh, Renault finally uh, moving up in the world. Haas, Genos, and team have eight points along with McLaren. Nice. Uh, Racing Point Force India, nope. I made that mistake just like Martin <laughs> Brendel did, I think, twice in that race. Uh <laughs> 
They've got seven points. Toro Rosso has four, and Williams has zero, unfortunately. Yeah, they could start docking them points at this stage. It's really sad to see the just how far back um, the, those two drivers are once the checkered flag is waved. I, I super feel Robert Kubica must just feel like a like a pylon that people are just overtaking at this stage. It's it's really terrible and a waste of a young talent as well. You know, it's just it's a bad. It's it's really a big shame for them. Yeah. Uh, so this is a this is our post race show. We're not going to dive too much into news because really there isn't that much. Uh, we'll get into more of that next week. Um, but we did want to shoot it over to some emails unless you guys got some pressing stuff you want to cover before that. Mm-hmm. All right, uh, Danny, you want to take it to some emails? Sure. Uh, we got a bunch of emails. I'm gonna read out three of the goodies that uh, that rose to the top. Uh, first one's in from Eric. It says the topic of why Danny Rick having to jump out of the car came up on the last episode. I'm an electrical engineer, so I can finally contribute something useful to F1. So the Earth <laughs> system possibly energizing the car. The chassis will be at a higher electrical potential. Potential, however, uh, there's no place for that charge to go as long as there's not a path to ground. Uh, the tires are very good insulators. So I guess that's like, what is it, like ru- wearing rubber boots or something when you when you do electrical work. Um, so it can't get through that way. Uh, and as long as the driver jumps off the car such that he doesn't make contact with both the car and the ground at the same time, uh, they should be safe from electrical shock. Uh, think the way that birds can sit on a power line and not get shocked. Oh, I never thought about that before. Um, this is why they instruct drivers to climb into the top of the car and then jump off with both feet until uh, the car can be made safe. Uh, if he were to touch the car and the ground like he would have to do if uh, he reattached the steering wheel, um, he'd be uh, uh, the path to the ground possibly resulting in a possibly fatal electrocution. Uh, thanks for the podcast. Alt F1 is what got me into watching F1 and I haven't missed a race since, says Eric. Uh, thanks so much for the email. So yeah, um, I guess that explains the lack of scariness getting out of the car maybe and also the reticence to put the steering wheel back in yeah i i imagine uh a lot of that is just to be super duper extra safe um that's still it's a big old battery yeah that's some scary stuff i never knew the birds thing that makes a lot more sense to me i feel like everyone else probably knew that and i didn't (laughs) formula bird yeah um this one comes in from thomas reed um just about going to the austin gp i feel like we get this every year but i just wanted to um uh, bring it up again hi i'll be flying to austin this year to catch uh the uh, uh grand prix of the americas f1 race what is the best value ticket to buy is uh, general admi- uh, uh, admission sufficient or is it worth the 200 bucks more for reserved bleacher seating uh grandstands or a specific turn tickets to go on sale soon wondering if you can cover that in the podcast or have any advice uh yeah so i guess this is for any one who's who's thinking about uh, going uh, drew when we went before you bought the tickets so what's your yes. sort of take on this so i've never done uh general admission so i can't really speak to that but um you know i my thinking was like it's already it's already gonna be so expensive um you may as well get your money's worth uh if if you can um and that meant for me doing a lot of research. Uh, YouTube is great for this because you can go and basically type in like Circuit of the Americas, turn 17 or whatever. Um, and there will be a, a YouTube video from that <laughs> turn. So you can kind of yeah. see uh, what you will see. I think it's imp- it's important uh, for me at least to be able to see a TV. Um, I think if, you're, if you've got general admission, I think that means you can walk around the track. Uh, and kind of go anywhere that's not a grandstand. So if you can find a spot where there is a TV, I just, I like knowing that I have a place. Um, uh, general admission's tough for me because uh, I, I, I'm not positive that I will be able to see a TV, that kind of thing. Um, so that's, I guess that's my two cents. Rob, do you have any insight into this? Have you ever, have you gone to any races before? Or oh, I went otherwise? to uh, like a bunch of the ones they did out of Indianapolis. Um, and the experience of that was, it's cool to be at a race. It's a much better experience watching it from home, particularly that track. I was on the, uh, (laughs) you know, on the main straight, which is great. You see the cars go by super fast and that's about all you see. Uh, and so I like, for me, I think it's always been a bit of a, I guess this is a broader question. What are you going to the race for? 
like what's the best way to have fun at a race? Because if you just want to see the most racing, you're probably watching from home. You're making sure you've got a feed, like you can see a screen or something. But like, what is the way to have the most fun while you're there? Where's where's the experience? I guess that's that's my thing that I would like to know uh, going into this. For you know, maybe not necessarily best advantage, but just best like place to hang. Yeah, I feel like as well, like, you know, what type of person you are at an event, you know, if you're willing to turn up early and, and stake your claim, or if you would rather have different angles, like one of the benefits, obviously, we were kind of at the turn 13, 14, 15, you're at slow, like arena area um, yeah. of the track, um, sort of at the end of section two, probably. Um we were there facing um, sort of down the straight, I guess, uh, which means we didn't see the start of the race. We saw them take like maybe between turns three and five, like the Maggots and Beckett's bit at the top yeah. of the hill. We could kind of see them. But um, uh, one of the things about general admission, I guess, is that you can kind of, you know, be at a different part of the track for different days or different races. So there's a benefit there. Um, I definitely, the days were long. So having somewhere to sit, I think was just, handy but i'd echo what, what drew said about the screens like at least having a tv screen so you can see you can kind of keep up to pace on what's going on um i think that's a that's that's important i also kind of liked i feel like uh me and drew were talking during the race about how i got a real sense of the line and the grip of certain turns uh because we kept watching cars and also different cars throughout the weekend because it was all these support races on um taking them uh and it was really interesting seeing seeing that so i liked uh where we were what i liked about it is being able to like very sort of analyze one part of the track which was different different to taking in the race it was like a different experience watching the highlights afterwards was like it was almost like watching a different you know thing because i just had this like we had this one sort of view um was it, am i right in saying that the tickets we got through like even though they were seated tickets you could still walk around the ga areas I think that's right. Yeah, because we we did a lot of just like in between races, and in, you know between quality and practice, kind of just bouncing around. And um, there's a lot of stuff to do at the Circuit of the Americas. I'll say that there's a you know that in the the, the big the big tall uh, tower you can go up, and there's a bunch of like uh, fun stuff around. But we were mostly on the north side of the track. I know there's a whole other thing on the south side of the track which we didn't go to. So maybe maybe there's some benefits of being GA for that. Um, yeah, I'd say I'll, I'll, either way, you know. It's a bunch of fun, so you know I definitely go. Even if you can't, you know, get the crazy tickets. I know the the tickets on the main street. I'm sure are bananas for the paddock or the grandstand. Yeah, I think we were. I don't know what the grandstand is, but we were um, sitting between turns 16 and 17, so we could look across um, 13, 14, 15, and 16, right, uh, and kind of down the end of the long straight. Uh, to that uh, tight turn at turn 12. Yeah, you could see like the braking zone for that, right? It was We could see them if they were going to try down the inside, kind of right at the end of the straight. Yeah, and then all those turns uh, in between. So I think I think that that was a great place to, to, to sit because you could see a lot of different things happen. Like if you're if you're at like one turn, it's you want it to be like a turn that a lot of passing can happen at, right? Mm. Um, and, and if that means like going back and watching uh, a race from last year or maybe just the highlights and seeing where a bunch of people are passing, that's also a good way to kind of get a sense for that because, uh, you know, I can't always remember where, uh, you know, is, is it turn six where a lot of passing happens? Like, yeah. Um, yeah, YouTube's your friend, I think, on that one. Uh, last thing on that probably uh, is to make sure you know you know what music Elect is playing on the Sunday because maybe that weekend ticket will be worth it. You know, we, yeah. we got we got the delightful Taylor Swift playing her only concert that year, uh-huh. <laughs> which my wife was super pissed about. But uh, there you go, should have gone into F one, I guess. Um, uh, <laughs> Elton John, I believe, played another year. Um, is that right? Oh, man. Yeah, you know, classic F one crooners just. Yeah, yeah. Have they gotten Fleetwood Mac yet? Have they done one? Yeah, that's just that's a perfect crossover. Just do the chain over and over and over again. I think the Chemical Brothers have. (laughs) Oh really? I want to say that they. I don't know. That seems like a yeah. That seems like a a good mix. 
Um, and then, you know, I feel like Chemical Brothers might be a good Formula E one. And the next question is about Formula E uh, from Fe- uh, Fez Iman uh, asks, uh, did you guys ever talk about the new attack concept Formula E is playing with? Uh, I find it really innovative and really not much less authentic than DRS. It's a neat idea that leverages the way Formula E uh, from the start had variable power rules. The idea of having to take a non-ideal line on key parts of the track to be allowed to use it is fast. Fascinating. Personally, I'd love to get rid of the ridiculous fan boost uh, and give all the drivers that extra power to use at their discretion as part of attack mode, especially as the cars get faster as development advances. Wait, why uh, is Drew sitting there shaking his head vigorously getting rid, rid of fan boost? I love like, fan boost! Oh my god. Yeah! You! Hashtag fan boost! <laughs> oh, what a trashy feature, and now I know who it's for. Like, I've always wondered who the hell is participating in this mockery of, like, autosport fandom. Like, ooh, better text but my, you know, my, my favorite driver's name, to, And apparently it's Drew. Apparently Drew. <laughs> I don't know that I've ever voted, but I love the idea. <laughs> I, I, yeah, I like the... I'm I feel like worse. they should phase it out of... Like, it feels like a very season one season two kind of thing and they've changed so much about the sport i mean it's almost like unrecognizable from what it first started like when it there's no car swaps anymore like it's it's so different that i'm i'm kind of surprised it's still stuck around but uh yeah have you have you guys seen the uh do you want a refresher course attack on mode? attack mode oh, yeah, yeah. why don't you describe it yeah it's basically just like there's a a a sec- a designated part of the track um where you are if you take the unideal line and it's 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 usually long enough that you you can lose places there especially in formula e where they're they're pretty much on each other's arses a lot um uh, but if you do it, you basically get access to... I'm not sure how many times you're able to do it during the race is the only thing. But you get a, a boost of, say, you know, 15 horsepower or something. But it lasts for about a minute. Um, so uh, what you find out is that there was a good little... Um, the, the the race that was on last weekend was uh, in uh, Rome, I believe. I think I the boost is by lap now, though, isn't it? Because remember now oh, when the graphic lap. comes up, it's like there's like four pips next to yes. the... Fan, the uh, not fan boost. Uh, the... Um, the boost attack mode. Attack attack mode. mode yeah. yeah, there's like four pips next to it that like light up. I when think it's minutes charged. actually. I think it's four minutes. Is it? And that's what it's counting down. Yeah. Okay. Uh, so there was an interesting battle where one of the drivers uh, f- didn't get it uh, as they were coming, or they, they, they forgot to basically. And there was a nice sort of uh, back and forth where you knew one of them had the power for an extra lap before the other one was going to have it uh, to get back. So. Um, yeah, it's a it's it's a fun. I like it. I think it 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 adds. You know, the idea of sending somebody off the line is just very interesting. It that, that risk reward. Um, uh, but yeah, if you're not watching the season this year, it's been kind of crazy. There's been like a lot of different. I don't want to spoil it, but like a lot of different drivers winning races, a lot of different teams winning races. Um, the last race was a bit of a clusterfuck on the first <laughs> lap. Um, uh, it was one of those. Um, you know, Keystone Cops style pileups that we so often get and a pretty long red flag. Uh, but uh, it's been a, a fun season. And yeah, Attack Mode certainly has its its place in it. It reminds me of, um, if you've ever watched, um, uh, not Motocross, not Cyclocross, uh, Rallycross. Whew, right. Wow. Um, <laughs> that they have a, so that one is a, it's not a rally like point to point. It's a rally on a circuit, but half the circuit is concrete and the rest is gravel. So um, you race on two different. It's like and it's like eight cars or something. Uh, but you are required on one of your laps. You can pick which one to take. Uh, uh, I think it's called the Joker, <laughs> where it's like a much larger turn. Oh. Um, so it adds, of course, a bunch of time to your lap, but you get to pick when you do that. So I think it's the same in Formula E. You are required to take your attack mode lap, uh, but you get to choose when to do it. Mm. I think it's I think it's a cool, it's a cool thing. Uh, speaking of cool things, fantasy. You can join uh. our fantasy team uh, with the link in the show notes. I am currently seven hundred and seventy sixth uh, in the overall uh, Shift F one leaderboard. Uh, in first place, Maca F1, followed by Shunted Tarantulas, uh, Alpha with emojis, Steering Wheel, hey, hey, give it to me, move, come on, Dragon Ball GT, the Hamiltons break the system, Jacked Up Racing, Leclerc, Bear Flare, Mercedes all the way, 
And finally, in 10th place, Fry or Die. Fry or uh, Die. I had, uh, let's see. <laughs> well, I did okay. Yeah, I, had, I had Leclerc, Perez, Verstappen, Botas, and then Raikkonen with Turbo Boost, which gives you double points. Uh, but I had Haas as my team, and they only got me six. So, uh, not great. I had uh, my murderer's row was Ferrari, Valtteri Bottas, Lando Norris, who got me nothing, mm. Lance, Lance Stroll, uh, Kimi with, with the boost as well, and uh, yeah. Charlotte Care, the one wrong Ferrari, so not looking too good. Uh, social stuff, if you want to follow us on Twitter, we are at ShiftF1 Podcast. Uh, we tweet a bunch of weird F1 stuff, uh, mostly retweets, but occasionally stuff. I was going <laughs> to, I, I was going to tweet this, but I didn't because I feared it would be too nerdy. I dived into the regulations, Ooh. um, which I'll, I'll place a link to that in the show notes. If you really want to read, uh, like 40 pages of PDFs, um, it's actually pretty interesting and it's not too tech. Well, there's technical regulations and then there's like sporting regulations. The sporting regulations are much easier to eat, uh, to to read, not to eat. Um, but I I was trying to figure out why certain teams would retire like three laps from the end, mm. um, and I wasn't really able to answer that question. But if you race ninety percent of the race di- distance, that's when you are classified uh, at the end of the race. So um, I think it was. Uh, who was it? Norris? Who, yeah, he technically uh, finished even though he retired like three laps from the end. Um, I don't really well, know why you would want to do that. Was he jumped by the Williams that. though? Uh, yes. So he finished technically 18th place, um, whereas Russell and Kubica were 16 and 17. Okay. Um, so... Yeah, he retired, I think, lap 53, and 90% of 56 laps is 50.4. So he technically finished, quote, finished the race. Uh, but I don't know. Like, maybe they don't want to put too much wear on the engine or their parts or whatever, and they know they're not going to get any points, so why not just be classified? I think that might actually have to... That might play into a tie at the end of uh, the season. Like, if if you tie with somebody else who has finished the most races uh i think would probably break that tie i don't know uh, please write into uh shift f1 podcast at gmail.com if you have the answer to this question why would teams retire before the end of the race i, I guess what i'd wonder then is why don't the williams retire after that like why don't we see like a concertina effect of or a domino effect of uh of cars retiring you know if, yeah. the, if the one you know just like i mean it would suck i'm glad we don't see it but i'm just yeah i wonder why i also learned that uh where the transponders are i didn't know this before but the one in there's one in front which is in line with the axle and uh one on either side of the driver's head so for hmm. a total of three i don't know i got really nerdy about that for some reason and uh <laughs> wanted to share that um okay uh now that we have fully nerded out it's time danny to nerd out about other racing you mean races races oh no i can't say races that doesn't set it up properly you mean it's time to <clears throat> race around the world that was really good that sounded like you just played a clip of you saying that <laughs> it's because it's been four seasons four seasons has it been five i can't <laughs> tell anymore it should be uh, a ringtone it's your ringtone right we should make a ringtone this is season three i think of shift f1 oh yes um, shift f1 Oh, yes. Not the podcast that shall not be named. Right. Unless uh, Jeff Gersman will bang on our door. <laughs> <laughs> um, I actually... Uh, sorry, I'm trying to load up my calendar here with all the racing on it. There's just um, so much racing, the calendar can't take it. Okay, here we go. Sunday, April 21st, we have Super Formula. Beautiful. Is that Super Formula 1, Super Formula 2, Super Formula 3? Super Formula Japan. Super Formula, like it's the SNES Their version. season kicks off at Suzuka Circuit. Which prefecture? Uh, oh, boy. That's why he stalled, because he was he realized he did a thing about a Japanese sport without the prefecture. Uh-huh. Which is unallowed on this podcast. Uh, that's in... Inoucho, Suzuka. Mie Prefecture. 
That's a real good one. I'm Googling how many prefectures are in Japan. There are 47. It's quite wow. a lot. Yeah, it's more counties in Ireland. Fair play. Uh, and that's it. That's it. That is, uh, unless I am incorrect, that is the only race happening this weekend. Let's all go to uh, Japan. If we need your race lust, go to it. Yeah. Uh, GP2 is back. Sorry, Formula 2 is back in Baku the week Baku. after next. But we'll be talking about that on our next podcast next That's week, right. you guys. If you'd like to support the show, you can do so at patreon.com slash shift F1. Uh, anything else, Danny? Fund our alcohol problem. Become a Patreon. Fund <laughs> our, our specific mail order alcohol problem. <laughs> and Rob. Man, I can't wait till next episode, though. There's some... There's a news article you put in the notes for this one. We didn't have time to get oh, to it yes. today, but uh, we need to dig into this next week because uh, this is some intriguing. This is an intriguing mystery you found. Yes. Speaking of drinking things that may or may not exist. Uh, yes, you can become a patron if you'd like access to all of our bonus episodes. Uh, but until next time, have a good race weekend, everyone. We will see you all next time. Yeah.